0: to MMA BJJ and Life. I'm your host DJ San Marco coming to you from Laguna Niguel, California. And that voice you hear in the background that you shouldn't have heard is my good friend Nick Cazzono, who was supposed to be a, a recording musician, no less. A man who is in a rock band that plays at the whiskey. Who knows about quiet on the set. Was actually having a conversation during the intro, but you know what? He's a Cleveland original, he's a graduate of Kent State, he's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, and I love the guy, so it's all good. Nicholas, how are you, sir?
1: I'm good, brother. How are you doing?
0: Well, you know, I mean, all, you know, podcasting faux pas aside, I I feel like I'm doing great, Um, and I'm happy to be on the phone with you because you're one of my foremost homies preceded me out here in California, led the wagon train west from Cleveland. A 49er of sorts, who blazed a trail that I would once follow, and about six months behind you or so. Yeah, which was crazy. I was like, "What?
1: You're out here too? Oh my gosh!"
0: Yeah. What was your um, So anyway, so folks, so it's MMA, BJJ, and life. Again, I'm DJ San Marco. This is Nick Kazono, the bass player for the band, the approach and the execution. You can find them on, and he's also an avid jiu-jitsu player and a gigantic fan of mixed martial arts. And you can uh, hear he and his band Heavy Metal, the Approach and the Execution, on Wednesday night?
1: Uh, Thursday, Thursday. Thursday night
0: mm-hmm. at the Whiskey in Los Angeles. Um, the you know Basically, the club that, that launched groups like i don't know the doors you might have heard of them you might have heard of a, a group called van halen they've been yeah, known
1: to ball guys.
0: yeah they've played a couple of rock and roll numbers um <laughs> and uh, motley Crue, and probably a uh, chicago chicago was also the house band at the whiskey were you aware of that mr kazono i was not aware of that they came out um Your homies from the Windy City, kind of like a a sister city to Cleveland in Chicago, Um, they came out there. Their management rented them a house for a year. They didn't leave the house. They wrote five albums. And when they did an audition at the Whiskey, they're like, yeah, we want you to be the band here. The famous story about that is that Jimi Hendrix went to the Whiskey, saw them, and fell in love with the band and said man your horn section is so tight and I think your guitar player Terry Kath is better than I am wow that's crazy yeah yeah, coming from Jimi Hendrix because he was singing uh, Terry Kath was playing lead rhythm and also uh, singing as well singing lead so (laughs) because they only had one one guitar player so he was an extraordinary guitar player um the late terry kath who died uh, out here in in uh, la unfortunately and basically saw the the demise of the band that's still playing today but the demise of them as the chicago that um, people like me grew up and knew and loved so oh,
1: damn right. what's that not, 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 the same band after that guy died.
0: No, I mean they lost. You know, you remember in the '80s they did all the, you know, some of the the Karate Kid type stuff, and
1: yeah, it yeah, got yeah. very
0: poppy, and and Peter yeah. Cetera became the lead. You know, and when, when uh, Terry died, and then um, it just really lost that sound because if you think about 1968, what band? Uh, what rock band had something like a three-piece brass in in, in the band? I mean, it was just unheard yeah, of. of. Yeah, uh, and I think that's why they were blown away at the whiskey and they and they put them on and they could also do some hard rock and did some electric numbers. And they were actually the first guys. If you remember, like the Beatles, they would all wear matching outfits and, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. and Chicago actually one day they did a gig. Uh, when they were Chicago Transit Authority, and they are like, you know what? And they literally, I think Terry tore his jacket off and ripped his shirt open, and that was the end of guys wearing button-down uh, uh-huh. shirts and suits and matching wear. And then after yeah. that, they hippied out and wore whatever they wanted, grew their hair out. So, um, But anyway, I, I digress. This is a mixed martial arts show. You guys just found everything you didn't want to know about Chicago and the great Hall of Fame band uh, that was uh, inducted not too long ago into the Hall of Fame in Cleveland. So, uh, Nicholas, UFC 210. Was it a thing of beauty or was it sort of an ugly duckling?
1: Uh, It had some good moments, in my opinion, but I don't know. I mean, it was definitely bizarre. Uh, Some bizarre things kind of went down in that card, but overall, I mean, Based on the star power, not even the star power, but the matchups themselves on the card, I thought it was pretty good. But, I mean, I'm more lenient than a lot of the other fans out there. I think the fans are just like, this is a god, It was stupid, but I enjoyed it. Dana loves you because he knows yeah. he's
0: going to get your endorsement. God bless <laughs> yeah. you, Nick. Yeah, Daniel Light
1: would definitely endorse my, uh, my critiques <laughs> of I'm pretty Lincoln he won't I'm endorse mine
0: um, I can guarantee <laughs> you that um, oh, shoot. but uh, so we're going to get to that uh, I want to talk about I want to get inside the psychology I listened to Knuckle Up a little bit uh, Eugene S. Robinson's podcast if you guys haven't heard him Eugene S. Robinson Knuckle Up and If I Did It with uh, Kid Nate of Bloody Elbow I know you're very familiar with Kid Nate's work Nick yeah, I'm um, more familiar with
1: actually Eugene Robinson. But,
0: oh, there's he. They're, he's amazing. I mean, like I wish on my best day I could be like his worst day. So
1: yeah.
0: Um, and I well, wish I could be one tenth as smart as he is. You know, you having graduated from Kent State, him graduating from Stanford. You guys are kind of like homies, you know. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look at look at Nick. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is I want to what I want to get into a little bit here is a little bit of the psychology behind what happened, and and I want to talk to you about that. So I, I watched today um, Rumble Johnson in DC again, and what I saw, and I, I'm not going to go into this whole AJ is a quitter type thing, but I, I want to say it, it it's pretty obvious that he didn't want to to be in the fight, and he was looking for a way out his corner was screaming at him not to do that um, to try to engage obviously he's so devastating on the feet that you really can only take so many of his punches and he made it quite easy for Daniel when he was engaging in the grappling realm and putting it where DC wanted it and everybody knows that his corner was screaming at him there's actually transcripts out there and the like and it did not change what rumble did and it looked to me like he wanted to get out of the fight and he really just didn't want to to do this anymore like he said and um you know i'm happy for the guy if this is what he wants but i think it's very clear it's not something that was game planned it's something that he decided he wanted to do in the fight for whatever his reasons are what say you
1: uh, it's hard. I mean, I don't know. I I, t- I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt and be like, maybe he, you know, still wanted to fight. He just went into the wrestler mode, and obviously, you know, I I, I assume that the game plan was not to push DC up against the cage and go for takedowns. Right. And you want space, and your you know your strong suit is your striking, and he had some successes when he was striking with DC early in the fight. It looked like the last one when he had some early successes, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking of just going back to the takedown, and I don't. think mean Joe Rogan said, "Oh, well, I don't know. He kind of threw a little bit of a DC's power that crazy right hand he threw, but I, the I mean, overhand right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, the the mindset. I don't. I don't. I really don't know what goes through these guys' minds when they want to retire prior to." the fight, and had it happen in their mind that, all right, this is my last fight, I'm going to lose. I mean, does it take some edge off you? Does it you know, sort of change your mindset going into the fight compared to if you're just you know, not going to retire, obviously? Well, he obviously didn't
0: want to do what Rumble does. Rumble, there's a specific Rumble that we know and that we see. And he didn't want to be that Rumble for whatever his reasons were. It's it's very very odd, and I'll tell you what I don't really want to spend a lot of time on 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 this fight because I just think he 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 wanted to get out of the fight. He wasn't trying. His coaches were yelling something different at him. We've seen him go out there and take guys out on the feet, but there was something about fighting Daniel that he wasn't comfortable with, and he it appeared to me that he wanted
1: to get out of it. Well, I'll I'll say this like. Uh... Like, look at Holly Holmes last fight. You know, like, she mm-hmm. was doing things that she normally wouldn't do, and she was winning, and she yeah. kept on. She kind of did a rumble where she started to, like, do takedowns, and they're like, no, don't, like, you know, Greg Jackson and what's-his-face were just yelling at her, like, no, please. you know, like, don't go for takedowns, separate, you know, you heard <laughs> her. So, I mean, and obviously not, she's not retiring anytime soon. So, I don't know, maybe it's just a mental lapse of Judgment, and then maybe it could've been a coincidence. With the rumble—I don't know. I mean, they're two different fighters, obviously. Two different, two different mindsets, of two different people in general. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard. These things are just really hard to sort of include that. Maybe he didn't want to play, and could be firing or whatnot. I don't know. It's, yeah, uh, it, it, it's like I
0: said, I, I won't. I won't debate you on it. I mean, I'll, your answer is just as good as anybody else's. If that's you know uh, what you believe, that could be it. I mean, he he clearly, for whatever the reason was, it, it just didn't appear to me that he really wanted to that he really wanted to be in there trying to do Rumble things. He sure. was trying to do something different than what, than what Rumble does. And why that is, I don't know. He's so phenomenal on the feet. He was looking beautiful with those oblique kicks to the knee. A little borrow from Johnny Jones. Um, it's 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 not explicable why he did what he did, other than that he wanted to not be in there for whatever his reasons are. And whatever his reasons are, are good enough for me. Um, so, I'll leave it at that. I don't think he's permanently retired. I don't know what he'll be doing with the Rams, if that's in fact true that he's going to be with the Rams. And I suspect that we will see him back in MMA at some point. Um,
1: he kind of denied the thing with the Rams at the post press conference. Well, his. Also, it's like a deflection of what. Gonna go on, yeah, but gone. his
0: coach, his coach said, "Yeah, it's going to be something with the Rams." So really, yeah, it's just not going to be obviously playing football. That was you know obviously yeah. ridiculous. And Schaub talked uh, about that today. We'll get to Schaub too, uh, Schaub's to take here in a, in a second. Um, we're going to get into. Uh, I'm going to write this down. Schaub's take because he's like totally talking out of his. Uh, Talking out of his ass on a very very big platform from which he speaks, and it's kind of ridiculous. Um, so let's transition to another shit show, if you will, okay. and that would be Christopher Widman against um, against um, Gegard Musasi, and if again, if any of you uh, have not seen. Uh, if any of you have not heard uh, Eugene S. Robinson's take and and I agree with him and we'll talk about it Uh, you and I touched on it actually in the show that we recorded where the recording came out bad and I couldn't, you know, it's kind of going to stay in the can and it's not going to be released because the recording was kind of messed up, but you and I spoke about it that there's something you and I talked about this the other day, there's something different about Chris Weidman when Chris Weidman came and cut 30 pounds in something like seven days to fight Demi and Maia, uh, and then beat him, and he had run through Anderson Silva not once but twice. First time making, forcing him into a mistake, making him do something really dumb. Second time he broke his leg on Weidman's knee. Um, and the confident man that... That existed that said, I can beat, and there are none of these guys that are on my level. And in fact, I want to jump up to 205 and I want to fight John Jones in New York City when that card happens. Oh my God, is he lucky that that didn't happen? Because John Jones would really really, hurt him. (laughs) but what Eugene Robinson suggests Eugene s Robinson suggests and I concur with is that at some point he looked at the amount of money that he's making he talked about rocky I think you actually spoke about that the other day about rocky 3 and that whole thing and getting back to your roots and I wanna go live in my parents house but wait a minute now I'm not gonna do that because I had my kids when I had all the success so um and ultimately he decided not to move into his parents' basement etc and I, I really think that that he mentally defeated himself and and to me when when the whole thing happened with the knee and we're going to get to that cuz basically we had a knee stoppage and we're going we're going to get to the fact that Dan was behind Luke. Uh, excuse me i almost said Luke as in Rockhold Dan was behind Musasi and could not see the placement of the hands so by the time he ran around the side chris's hands were back on the ground and he stopped the fight whereas in the case of uh... Musashi was picking him up lifting his torso up and then kneeing him in the head am i correct
1: you are correct and then, I mean, it was hard to see during the fight and then you see the replay and then people the were going oh and, and raving about it being legal But, I mean, you can't really blame Dan in the heat of the moment, what he did. I mean, you know, whatever. He had a bad angle. And it looks like, I mean, they looked like they were illegal needs. But, I mean, just playing that game of, you know, both hands on the mat. And then you can't, maybe, yada, yada, yada. I don't know. What's this? I mean, that's what you get.
0: (laughs) I like Chris and all. And and Dan is sauntering around the cage. And the thing is, is that. You can't saunter in these fights. You have to be like a boxing ref or something where you're constantly on your feet, on your toes, and circling around. Because especially when someone gets a front headlock, what are you looking for? There's only one thing to look for. Yeah. Right? Where's the position of the guy's hands? Because now we have a one-hand rule. And the guy only has one hand on the ground. He's considered not grounded opponent. Okay, so Dan was out of position because maybe he was sauntering. You can't saunter and lumber. That's the only thing I'll say about that. I'm not going to fault him for not that's seeing a it. Good point. But a good you point. can't saunter, saunter and lumber. You've got to be on your bike, on your toes, and yeah. moving, circling like a fighter does because yeah. you have to have visual on that. But that aside, that's not really the point of the whole thing. The whole point of the thing, and I think what Eugene Robinson was getting to, and I agree with when you watch the whole thing is Chris was doing the ah yeah you know he was doing the soccer player bit what Eugene suggests and I and I tend to agree with and then he's doing the whole soccer thing saying I might be able to get an illegal knee out of this and get a stoppage and a no contest right or get a win out of it you know because he he committed an illegal foul right That's- True, yeah. Or or they take a point from it, whatever. And then he finds out, oh, shit, wait. No, no, wait. You're going to give the fight to him? I thought it was an illegal knee. And so, and then you can hear, there's audio out there. We can hear Ray Longo, who, I, I dig Ray Longo. He's screaming at the ref going, hey, you know he does this kind of dirty stuff. I told you that. And, <laughs> and John McCarthy goes, no. So, now, So now we fast forward and we're at uh, uh, Tuesday and you have guys like B. Schaub who has a major presence on Twitter. And he has a major show with this new Big Brown breakdown saying that no, it doesn't matter. Once he says it's illegal, there is no replay. Guess what? Check it. New York State Athletic uh, Commission instant replay legally used for Gagard Mousasi versus Chris Weidman. Legally. The use of replay is officially allowed in the state of New York and was indeed used to determine the controversial finish of Gegard Mousasi. So it goes directly to what this was. John McCarthy did the right thing. He used the replay and he came in. It could have been any member of the NSAC, of which John McCarthy was a part of for that night. They could have advised, it could have been a ring, aside, a side physician, a judge, etc. It happened to have been the other, uh, the auxiliary referee, and he said that was a legal knee. And then once Weidman was saying, I don't know what month it is, it's February, they're like, okay, you're done.
1: Yeah, it's just, when he start answering those questions and not answering them for the standard of what they wanted, like, oh man, this doesn't, doesn't look good. I mean,
0: no, uh, so if you yeah. everybody knows, what do you say? What are the words you say, Nick, when the doctor comes up to you and starts
1: talking to you? How are you doing? How do you feel? Yeah, I feel fine. They go, they you want to play? And he did, I think he did say it. Though. He still wanted to play. Blah, 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 blah.
0: But, yeah, yeah, after they were like told him it was yeah. over, <laughs> he said. So, but he okay. was doing the soccer player thing on the ground at first and holding his head and the whole nine yards and. The whole thing is, you gotta go. I'm ready to go. You know what's going on. Let's do this. And and they were there talking to him. Whatever he said. So it seemed to me that he's like, you know, what he's asserting is that he wanted to keep snapping necks and cash and checks, and he was going to see if he could get an illegal knee dropped on Musasi and of. Granted, Chris doesn't probably know if it was illegal, and Musasi doesn't know it was legal or illegal because it's dynamic. They don't know, but if he thought that he could get that out of it, he was going to take it.
1: The only yeah, problem that, is
0: Musasi took it.
1: Yeah, and I agree with Musashi. He's in the post-press conference. He's like, hey, if you're going to play that game, like, oh, just bend the rules a little bit. He's like, hey, I'm here to play, you know. And it's true. He's there to fight. He's not trying to like bend rules. And not to say that Chris Weidman's a computer or anything, but you try to bend the rules. A little bit when you put both your hands on the floor and you know pretend like you're grounded at a point, really you're not. So I mean, and you're right, and yeah,
0: and, and you're right because Chris wouldn't have had his hands on the ground. He'd be fighting that front headlock. What yeah. do you do when someone has their arms around your neck? You're fighting
1: that. Yeah. Either, you know, I'm fighting those hands. Yeah, you can play your hands and you can feel a knee coming up, hopefully <laughs> you can cover your face and your elbow with your hands and you block that knee or whatnot, but, you know, I mean, the, the two mindsets is, you know, when Susie came to fight and then Chris came to fight as well, but Chris just tried to bend the rules a little bit, try to beat me, so we got to win, unfortunately. I mean, so, I like Chris. so you agree, I like
0: Chris too. I,
1: yeah, I, I, I kind of agree, yeah, I mean, but. To a certain extent, but I mean, this fight should show players, hey, you know what, if you're going to play the whole two hands in the ground game, this could happen, like, you know, like you might end up like Chris Weidman, so, I mean, hopefully you guys will see this fight and be like, eh, maybe I don't want to play that game. They don't want to put my hand don't play balance. that
0: game, man. I'm not yeah. for knees to the head of the ground and opponent. I will disagree with TJ and any of these guys. I'm not for it. I don't want to ratchet up the violence. And if you disagree with me, you can F off as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> I really I mean yeah. I don't want knees to the ground of a head I don't care what happened in Pride and I don't care what happened in Dream and I don't care about anything that you say. I do not want to give a high powered fighter like uh, a uh, Alistair Overeem with an Uber Yo knee, or well Romero, or, UL Romero, or a uh, as they said on the one of the shows, Edson Barbosa, and give oh, them okay. an opportunity to knee you in the head. I just I, I don't care what you say. Don't don't tell me he can get out of there. Don't I don't care what you say. I don't want it. We don't need to bring the violence to another level. We just don't. And if guys want to play that game, they're going to be in the situation that Chris Weidman was in. Or if you're the one who threw the knee egregiously and you didn't know if his hand was on the ground and it was illegal, then you're going to lose. And that's the end of it. And nobody took an extra load of knees based on it, as, as far as I'm concerned. If he want, if he hurts bad enough, that one knee that was illegal, he will get out of there, right? Yeah. And if he's trying to put his hand on the ground, then I guess it wasn't that bad, right? So, I, you know, I, that's really all I have to say. But I, I just get annoyed when people who aren't fighting are talking about we got to have that on the ground. And for Shab, if you're going on there, if you're going on your show, which is a gigantic show, and I love you, I love your show, you can't go on there without the facts advocating that Weidman got screwed and that they broke the rules when, in fact, they didn't break the rules. So you have to be up on the news if you're going to do a news show. On your show and know what's going on instead of saying, taking a position that Masasi fouled and that Masasi fouled him, or even though it wasn't, the referee saw it as a foul and he can't use replay when in fact you're wrong. You can't do that. Not if you're going to do that type of a show. And then 10 minutes later, it's on bloody elbow, you know, or maybe it was on there before you even recorded your show. But yeah. check and find out and do the research before you go on there and sound uh, foolish. So, anyway, Um, that's, so, Larry Pepe last night from Pro MMA Radio, I have an hour and a half or so conversation with Larry, and he he put out something very interesting. He said, Chris Weidman will never be the same again, and he said, you know who I blame, and I said, who? And he said, Herb Dean, because he took something like 40-some-odd, unanswered or oh, shots Rockhold fight yes so you're up, yeah in the rock hole fight so <laughs> what do you say about him he says that weidman will never be the same due to that damage that he let him take from whatever it was the second
1: round going agree, into man. the third
0: or third going into the fourth
1: yeah i don't know man i disagree i mean it's- I mean, he looked good in that fight. In, uh, not Rockwell's fight, but he looked good in, in Musashi's fight until those knees landed. I mean, he was mm-hmm. taking a down. He was hard mm-hmm. on. But, but here's what, eight.
0: let me just ask you about this because you're an expert in jiu-jitsu. I, he, his guard, there was no aggressive guard passing that I would expect to see from Chris Weidman knowing the level of grappler that he is, the confident, Chris Weidman to be able to pass guard. I mean, I'm not, obviously he's not a frightened flower out there that he can't get a takedown and that stuff. That's nobody's arguing that, right? But what I'm saying is he he didn't aggressively dominate that ground position when he had it.
1: Uh, I, don't know. I have to watch the fight again. I mean, I don't know. I have to watch it again to really to it, I guess. But I mean, in general, I thought, you know. He, People thought he was gonna get slaughtered in this fight, like especially Eugene Robinson and, uh, and Nate. They're like, "Oh, Lyman's is gonna be thrown to the slaughter. because saucy is just like crawling through people." And I'm like, "Hey, and some other people thought this too. Like, this is this is a evenly matched fight, in my opinion. And I don't know. I think Lyman still has. Maybe he might not have as much confidence as he did prior to the Rockhold fight. I don't think Rockhold like sold his. <laughs> you know, I, guess I don't know, it, it seems a little excessive. I see, sold my soul for like,
0: rock and roll. Wasn't that a Black Sabbath Ronnie James Dio? I don't know. I think so. Anyway, like,
1: yeah, I mean I don't know. Your, your friend Larry is saying that you know, oh, geez, Rocko just you know stole freaking you know Chris Ivan, you know I, Mojo, I, 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 can
0: I can almost hear know. Al Pacino. He sold his soul for this school.
1: Remember? You, not, he, he doesn't look as bad as uh when freaking Kane and Dos, Dos, uh, Dos Santos fight. No, it was Kane fights with the Dos Santos. Dos Santos. No, he Whoa. did a number on him, and that guy was not the same fighter. Wait, get, get, how?
0: I, this is what I want to ask you, Nick. How can you no-sell me? When I'm talking, doing Scent of a Woman with Al Pacino <laughs> and he's defending the young man in front of the uh, school advisory council uh, not to kick him out of school. How can you just no sell me on that, man? Oh, no. Very disappointed. <laughs> huh? What? Tell me I saw that movie. What? You didn't see Scent of a Woman? No. Nah. Oh my god. You know what? You're out of the band. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So. So, uh, we're going to take a quick break on MMA, BJJ, and Life. Uh, I can be found on Twitter at MMA underscore BJJ underscore and Life. And Nick Cazono, the approach and the execution, you can find him Thursday night at the Whiskey, the famous Whiskey on the Sunset Strip in LA. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll settle up with Chris Weidman, and we will dive into the territory of... Anderson Silva and possibly Luke Rockhold, which is now maybe Nick Diaz. And we also have uh, uh, rumble filing a complaint with sac for the DC weigh in cheating. And, um, and we will cover that ground when we come right back on MMA BJJ and life. back on MMA BJJ and Life. I am your host, DJ San Marco, along with the bass player from the approach and the execution and BJJ Purple Belt out of uh, Bray Jiu-Jitsu, Nick Kazono. And that there, as you hear there, is the great Leonard Skinner with the needle and the spoon. And uh, I'll love to Ronnie Van Zant and the boys. Uh, Nick, so as we were talking about what a band member might be drinking these days, if you were in Skinnerd, what do you think you guys would be drinking? Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of whiskey? I don't know, I don't really drink that much
1: whiskey, but something good, I guess. <laughs> well,
0: well, I think I can say fairly confidently, before you guys hit it big and got signed uh, by uh, MCA Records, it would have been uh, George Dickel, and then afterward, definitely Jack Daniels. So, <laughs> yeah. <Ooh>. oh, boy. <laughs> oh man, great stories about uh, Ronnie Van Zandt and the boys from Skinnard walking up to the front of the stage to quell a heckling crowd in Jacksonville that were about to uh, that were throwing beer cans at the Allman Brothers, saying. You'll not cross this line unless you can get past us. In and, um, and, and Jacksonville, people knew better than to challenge uh, Ronnie Van Zant. And um, I think it was Barry Oakley or one of the other players from Skinner because uh, usually you got a bottle smashed over your face. <laughs> so <laughs> so anyway, yeah, people didn't mess with Ronnie Van Zant. That's how that I went. Know that. I didn't know he'd throw
1: it out like that.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ronnie Van Zandt, uh, the guys in Skinner were terrified of him. Fans didn't want to mess with him. People generally knew that you didn't mess with Ronnie because he would go uh, Al Capone on you and smash something over your head. So anyway, so that was the beginning of uh, them uh, becoming friendly with uh, Dwayne and uh, Greg Allman. So uh, back to uh, Chris Wa- Christopher Weidman, uh, some professional pugilists. Um, does he come back? Is he ever the same Chris Weidman that we saw before he lost to Luke
1: Rockhold? I think so. I think he still has it in him. Yeah, he's not like uh, Junior Dos Santos after King Blesca's just beat the crap out of him in those two fights. I mean, you know, Junior's getting it back now, but he had a skimmer. he was just gun-shy. We've had this conversation before about Junior and everything, but he doesn't look anywhere near that Well. I guess that level. Nor will uh, he again. Uh, nor would he. But I don't know. I think he can still come. I mean, he's got a he's got a quite a few. He's got quite the journey back into you know Knicks. I guess losing all those last couple plays, but I think he still has it in him, and he has a skill set. He just I don't know. He has to put it together. Just can't put his I, hands on I, I don't. I <laughs> don't see put it. Put his but... hands on the net. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I
0: just don't see it. He just doesn't. He's he's basically a boxer. He found a Ben Rothwell that was very content to box with him, and made it very easy on him. And I don't I don't see him coming back and being able to. You know, he doesn't have a great wrestling game. I mean, he has a nice kicking game. He's still a good athlete, but I don't think he'll beat Stipe, um, and. He might be difficult for Stipe to take down, but Stipe will probably get to his chin, and I don't think he would beat this iteration of Fabrizio Verdum. I did a, you know, 30 minutes on Fabrizio Verdum and how he's been screwed over, and clearly he's the most talented guy uh, um, in the UFC at, at heavyweight. With, when you combine grappling, wrestling, and, and, and Muay Thai, he's. He's pretty awesome. He just made a fool of himself in Brazil, so we kind of laugh at him now, but he's um, his game is anything but laughable. Um, but you know what? I'm not going to weigh in on what you said because I really don't know. I don't feel like Chris will be the same, but you say you think he will, and Larry says he think, thinks he won't. Yeah, I think he's and got a chance.
1: He's got, he's, it's not over for him yet. I mean, Eugene Robinson, what does he do? The whole... Uh... Lost battalion well, well, let's. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, he's like, I hope you, Robinson, but he's just like you get two losses and you're like wondering. Well, well, I feel like he just leisurely just throws people in that category. Well,
0: like, once I he's, I know,
1: he starts quoting Alexander the
0: Great, I mean, <laughs> where do you go from there? <laughs> And the, you know, the the battle of I don't know, like in England, you know. <laughs>
1: the, yeah. I'm
0: trying to think of you know some famous battles that he's quote that he quotes
1: and it's really I don't know. wild, like, but like, I, like I'm so smart, he's just like like I would say apes at the time he's, just, he's referencing things that's way above my head. I'm way
0: like, above oh. my head. I know. Yeah. I know. Way it's above like, his okay. intelligence level exceeds mine by yeah. a factor of nine, but. But here's the thing, or Waterloo, I think I was thinking he might make reference to the Battle of Waterloo in England. Okay. <laughs> but um, the, thing, the thing is, is that um, who can he be, if you take, if, if I say, you know, Yoel Romero, you already saw what happened, and it doesn't matter that he got a couple of takedowns because once, you know, Romero, you know, Honey Marks took down Romero, but when he decides he's going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z, and he wants to stop you. He can stop you. Um, and um, but if you take him, and you take Rockhold, right, and you take Jacare, who is he beating out of those guys?
1: I mean, he could have beaten Romero because I thought he was pretty. I mean, he looks he looks pretty good in all of his fights, minus the Rockhold. So he looked Rockhold is worthless, but I made it done. Decision on what he, what he throw. He threw like a spinning. Well, what you're saying is he starts fast.
0: Oh, I wouldn't say he starts fast. I no, mean, but he proved that, didn't he? He start, He proved that he starts fast. But then what happens to him, you know, as the fight wears on? I
1: don't know. I mean, he had a good fight with Machida back, you know, and then that, that, that went five rounds. And yeah, but
0: Machida's 180. Know. You know, I mean, he's barely a 185 pound fighter, but okay.
1: I know, I know, but I'm just saying. But uh, I I still feel like he has a skill set. Okay.
0: Well, he does. I mean, <laughs> those guys. Yeah. I
1: mean, I, on paper, no, he probably loses to those three guys, especially now. But I won't be surprised if he just starts fighting people up again. Now, you know it's very you don't really see that in everybody that lose going to come back, but I don't know, I, I think he I think he could still come back and, you know, buy up for the title and maybe win it. But I don't think it's too late for him yet. No, we'll see how he does in this next play. Uh,
0: <laughs> I'm sorry to i I'm sorry to giggle, Nick, but Eugene yeah. Robinson saying, Yeah, I'm driving to practice like and I kind of like this seventy thousand dollar UFS uh, SUV. <laughs> Didn't think I'd ever be driving that. And, <laughs> and then he's like, and you know, then there's the kids' summer camp and private school. <laughs> he's talking about all this stuff. He's cracking me up, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey
1: guys, what's that? Making fun of those rich people.
0: He's so funny, man, that Eugene Robinson, he's just crazy. All right, I'll, I'll definitely, you've got the last word on that. I, I don't know what's going to happen with him. I just, I don't know if he'll beat those top three, but I don't think he's done either, so I'm somewhere. I'm not the top what's that? No. Yet. All
1: I'm gonna say.
0: I agree. Yeah, all right. I, I agree with you. I, I'd say I'm more towards the Nick Cazono camp than I am the Eugene S. Robinson camp. Yeah um but someone who's not happy with uh what just happened even more so rumble filing a complaint with NSAC for the dc weigh in cheating which is really interesting uh, i want to put this out there i love cormier um i love everything that he stands for as a as a as a pure fan of mma um he is the anti john jones but i'm very you know i i mean it it totally looked like he cheated and what are your thoughts about Rumble filing that complaint?
1: Uh, I mean, I guess. I mean, what is he going to gain out of it? A bit more money maybe he puts on his purse? Okay. I understand that. But, I mean, he, he's retired, so it's not like he's going to get a rematch. or mm-hmm. no, You know, it's like, so I don't know. I mean, I think it might be maybe it sounds like it could have been decided based on it. Really saying, like, you should do this, blah blah blah. I mean, just in general, I didn't really, you know, research and see, like, if it was really his idea to do that. But it just sounds like, generally, that it's more from his camp and just sort of people that kind of push him and file that complaint. But I mean, I say, you know, whatever. you know, more power to him. He should do it, I guess. And Did he cheat? Definitely. I think he did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I, if you saw. I don't Hidal- say it because I love to see, but yeah, it looks like it looks like change. There's a, uh, 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 I think Bloody Elbow posted um, where They had an article. Hadolfo uh, Vieira. Yeah, you know, Hadolfo. Yeah. And he did the same thing and like yeah he's like yeah I weigh this much and then he grabbed the towel and, and now boom I'm like five pounds lighter.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean. Minutes, it, it, so. It wasn't going to affect the fight. It wasn't going to make a difference. But you would have wanted him to, to have to lose that weight and draw yeah. himself down even more. Um, and you would have... Um, you know, it's not fair. Although I love DC, but it wasn't fair. So, um,
1: Yeah, who knows if it would have had less... Or who, who knows if it would have had, you know, a bit impact on the the conclusion of the fight, you assume not, but still, it's a little, thats a little bit of a tainted victory, just a bit, not, nothing crazy, you know, I'm not, like, going, I don't think it's, like, a, I don't know.
0: No, but the, the officials thing. from the commission are, supposed they're there in attendance, if you've ever been backstage, Nick, they're there when you're getting your hands wrapped, they actually initial the tape with their initials on them with a sharpie to say that it's been checked, Um, Or they'll put like a sticker over the tape. There's all kinds of little things they do. And that's the reason they do this stuff. And it's not fair if you have a, and say, let go of the towel. Why are you holding the towel? Put your hands off the towel. You know, you have a male official there. Get your hands off the towel. Now let me look at the scale. I want your hands at your side. And I don't want your coach tucking your back or any of that stuff. And then you check the scale. And that's how you do it. And I think regardless of how much I like DC and how he would have won anyway and how Anthony was going to quit, it doesn't matter. They did wrong, and somebody should be penalized for it. And the fighter should receive some money or whatever. I, however, they I don't know how they do these things. But for NSAC, fail. Pearl Gonzalez, breast implants, fail.
1: They are DC weigh-in,
0: right. fail. Um, what out, you know? What other yeah, buffooners uh, things they've done so. yeah, they, I don't know. but I just wanted to get your take on that I don't want to spend any more time on that I just wanted to get that off my chest it doesn't matter yeah. what the outcome of the fight was to be they well, failed at the weigh in
1: at least you know some fighters are grabbing the towel during weigh in
0: someone better slap their hand away from the towel you're damn right your, hand, your hands should not be touching that towel if you want them to uh if you want to hold the towel around you after the weight's been called, by all means, grab the damn towel and wrap it around your waist. Who cares? All right. Let's move on. Um, Anderson Silva, UFC in Rio, which is going to be June 3rd, I believe. Open to fight with uh Diaz, not Belfort or Rockhold. Let's talk about this. What the hell is going on with the UFC matchmaking? And I'm talking about um, offering Luke Rockhold, a monster of the division, you know, 10 years or more the junior of Anderson Silva, you know, going to fight him or a Kelvin Gastelum, for that matter. Absolutely ridiculous matchup. Or, for that matter, uh, we're going to talk about Holly Holm and, Be- and uh, Betch Cohea. Oh, I just saw that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm it's... very, very disappointed. So, let us start with Silva and and uh, uh, Vitor Belfort or... Now, I'd be okay with D- Vitor Belfort. Obviously, for whatever reason, Anderson doesn't want to, probably because he doesn't want to have a bigger star than him fighting him in Brazil, because he doesn't want more people cheering for Vitor than him. Who knows? Why else would you not want that fight? It's
1: true. I and mean, then they fought before, and... I don't know. True. I mean It's the perfect, perfect fight. fight. Good buddies. You know, I don't know. I don't know.
0: I mean, for fun, it's going to be more fun for both Silva and Diaz and for the Brazilian fans if it's Nick Diaz. So, you know, it'll be way more fun. But more appropriate, you know, Vitor Belfort and drawing ratings yeah. because he draws Brazilians like flies, man. He's, he's so popular. So...
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good fight to, to do, but I don't
0: know. No. I'll I'll sign up for Nick Diaz. They're trying to find Nick Diaz somebody to fight. That's you I know. I think
1: this would be great. I mean that's a big money fight right there.
0: Yeah, do that fight, man. I'm good with that. Um, I'm not good with them offering him Luke Rockhold, and I just Rockhold's think it's and the UFC has got to stop trying to destroy older stars, having them fight uh young lions kelvin like gaslin would have been completely <laughs> out of place there and luke rockhold will be out of place and he'll beat silva and he'll make him look bad oh, in dude, what yeah. is now his hometown i realize that he's not originally from rio but um but yeah we don't need that stupidity so yeah all right um okay so today you know all this drama has happened with holly Holm. they offered her Yes, I'd like to fight at 145. No, it can't be against Chris Cyborg, um, but if it's Jermaine Durand me yes, I'll do. It. Okay, yes, I'll do it. And then if I lose, and what about Amanda Nunes? And so, you know, there's this back and forth, and who's she going to fight? The bottom line for me is Holly Holm is a super skilled mixed martial artist. She belongs nowhere in a cage with somebody like Bets Um You know, Bets Coheya. Barely, barely beat a newcomer in the UFC. Let me let me go and get that, see if I can get that. Um, if I can get that. Uh, no, actually, I can't get it right now. But um, that girl that Betch Cohea beat was, I mean, barely. I think that was her first fight in the UFC. And And it was a split decision. Do you remember that?
1: No, I don't remember that. I remember her beating, uh, what's her face, uh, Queen of States. No, uh, this was, we're talking her last fight, my friend. Oh, her last fight, yeah. And she didn't win that fight, it was a draw. Oh, it was a draw. It was a draw, yeah. Cause, You're right. Because she got, like, manhandled, like, the last round. Like, she almost got knocked out, and the girl... Yeah, it was Marion and
0: I was wrong. Yeah. It was Marion Renew. Yeah.
1: I think she's a good fighter, but.
0: Yeah, I I must but, uh, have been thinking as somebody else. I'm sorry. That yeah. was my bad. Yeah, it was that majority draw on March yeah. of. Uh, it was, so it was, it was, was a it month ago. A month ago today. It round, and it
1: was definitely a 10 round. Yeah, let's I was, see. Majority I was, dra- I yeah. was impressed with her uh, submission defense, though, against. Is, yeah, against her. So, uh, as far as Kohea's submission defense, I thought it was pretty
0: abusive. that third round oh yeah yeah i mean but here she is this girl it's just it's it, it, the whole thing it's just it's a mess she had that fight with with jessica I, That a lot of people thought she lost that was a split decision that went yeah. her way a lot of people thought that she lost that she got yeah. smashed by rousey now what's happening with this thing she got uh she lost uh, a split decision to Raquel Pennington, who's only gotten better and better and better. Um, so you could say, I mean, I I thought Jessica won that fight. Um, that I, don't know. I, I didn't I, think she
1: did. <laughs> no, you didn't. Uh, I don't know. I, don't think she, I mean, it, it, that was bad just to begin with. But I I like just a lot. You're Ohio, never you going go back go. to
0: Ohio again. You know that, right? All <laughs> <Okay>. right. So <laughs> at, at worst, you could say that she lost three of her last four. Yeah. Now, and she's not. And you're going to put her in there with Holly Holm.
1: Well, let's just say this. I think Holly Holm just wants to get her confidence back and get a win.
0: So. But you're going to headline with those two.
1: She's headlining. Yes. Ooh, ooh.
0: I don't understand this matchmaking. I mean, you. I mean, there are a lot of girls at 135 pounds.
1: But yeah, I agree. So you know, I'm just gonna. I mean, people are locked out. I mean, who else could she? have fought. That. Well, who else could Holly Holm have fought? I'm gonna.
0: I'm gonna look right here. You have. I mean, Juliana it, like, Pena. Yeah. Um, Raquel. Um let me see what they got here. Um Shevchenko's up way up there. You are not getting her. Um she could actually rematch Jermaine at that weight. Sarah McMahon. Yeah, Sarah
1: McMahon. Cat. Avenger.
0: Oh no, Avenger's not in there. I'm sorry. Here we go. Now I got it.
1: Uh but Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, well, let's oh, just let's just say, say, hey, this is, this is like a Confidence for Holly Holm. You should be Yeah, so,
0: I guess that's the most that you can say is that it's a... Uh,
1: yeah, I looked at it. That was like an initial sort of thought. It's not even thinking. It was just like, I saw that headline. I was like, oh, it's Holly Holm. So, I mean, maybe she just needs to get a win and just get a pass on and then boom, and then, and then she
0: can take on. Yeah, so here she is. She's sitting at number five. Let me just keep, call this out to you. She's sitting okay. at number five behind Raquel Pennington, who just wore out Misha Tate. Um, Sarah McMahon is behind her, not going to take her. Kat Zingano's behind her, not going to take her. Liz Carmouche is behind her, not going to take her. And Jermaine Durandami is behind Liz and... That leaves Betch, so she's fighting a girl five places down on the on the list, and uh-huh. and they're going and they're going to headline with that.
1: Yeah,
0: this is ridiculous, man. This is yeah. really ridiculous. I mean, Leslie Smith is a better is a is a probably a better opponent for her than is yeah uh, than is uh, yeah. Betch Cohea. I mean, this yeah. is ridiculous. So, I, I don't know. I'm very, I'm quite quite disappointed in that. And I don't know what the UFC's matchmaking is, but I'm I'm not buying it, literally and figuratively. So, um, it's just complete clownery. I wanted to put another word in front of clownery. You can guess what that w- would be. It's a three-letter word. Uh, be- uh,
1: would you say that they're just trying to build up, uh, build Kalyon back up?
0: Yes, I mean clearly that you know, that could be the case, I guess, but it's just not she's not worthy of being in there. You gotta you don't you don't fight girls that are that far down unless you're saying, I wanna get a win. That's not what this is about. It means you fight the one that's behind you. Maybe it is Sarah McMahon, maybe it is Kat Zingano. maybe it is Liz Carmouche. And now we've just gone three places down from her.
1: I get what you're saying.
0: That's but, what I'm getting uh, at. It's not. If you're Betch Kohea, then I want to see you fight Jermaine or Alexis Davis or Liz and Betch. I don't want to see you fighting Holly Holm, who's way above her in striking, and the girl has no wrestling and no jiu-jitsu to speak of. So it, it's, you know... I don't know. Let's
1: say this or say Holly Holm looks horrible against special hair. What does that say about Holly Holm?
0: <laughs> that well, that, <laughs> that for sure, yeah, if that UFC. happens, that's a whole different ball game. Now we got to have a whole different conversation. That that she doesn't belong where she's at. So, all right. So you know, a lot of buffoonery going on with the UFC um, this weekend. Let me see what we have um, for this weekend coming up. Oh yeah, up is Demi- for- Demetrius. Yeah, the Mighty Mouse card. Um, so it's, uh, and I feel so bad for Jussier. My friend Jussier Da Silva beat Wilson Hayes, and yet Wilson Hayes oh. is getting a shot at Mighty Mouse. Um, yeah. So uh, really quickly, um, really quickly, um, we'll we'll talk about uh, UFC on Fox 24 Demetrius Johnson versus Wilson Hayes. I don't think we'll have a protracted debate for us to both say. I think Demetrius Johnson's going to win. <laughs> so yeah,
1: and so it's it's the, whatever title department. Yeah,
0: and Wilson Hayes is a really cool guy. He's actually I met him in San Diego once. He's a very very well rounded guy. Um, I just don't know that he has enough to get Demetrius in any of the positions that. Um, He's, uh, You know, Demetrius is so active, and that is going to play a big problem for Wilson Hayes. You know, if it goes to the floor, I mean, he's got a lot more experience on the floor than Demetrius does. He might be able to get something, but uh, beyond that, um, it would be a gigantic upset were he to win this fight, obviously, for a guy who hasn't lost in quite a long time. Uh, the karate, this one's interesting the karate mm-hmm. hottie and we're only going to do one more fight after this but uh, Michelle Watterson the karate hottie at 14 and 4 going up against Rose Namajunas at 5 and 3 Rose totally changed her life uh, you know changed her training situation up there I believe she's not with Pat Barry anymore and she's still working with really? Trevor Whitman and some other I
1: don't, know,
0: I don't believe so I don't believe so I think I think I went to her Instagram last year, and she had no photos of Pat after um, after that when she was fighting Paige. So I could be wrong, but not that that's significant. Her against uh, America's uh, favorite mom in Albuquerque, the Karate Hottie. What do, what do you think about that?
1: You know, that's a, that's a good matchup, but uh, I don't know. My favorite fighter right now at strawweight, one of them, is definitely uh, – uh, Bub Rose. So, I'm <laughs> a girl, Bud Rose. I love the Karate Hiya, though. Uh, I think she's great. But I just think Bud Rose. I think Rose says, I-, I agree with her assessment on the play. She, she's, she feels like she could do more damage in the areas that she's good at compared to uh, Karate Hiya. Which, I mean, when you look at their. I mean, maybe Karate Hiya might have a little bit of a better um, stand up sort of a skill set, but ground-wise, I mean, Rose just, I think is just a better grappler and everything, so I don't know, I, I think I think her range Rose Namun's range and her grappling are going to be definitely the key factors in her victory against Ali. but you never know what Pradehati's doing she's, she's got some slick grappling herself and she's got some great stand-up but I think Rose edges it out I think she's a little stronger too you know, year of too so the reach the, the size and the, the grappling i think will be in her favor to win well,
0: and this has nothing to do with you wanting to date rose Yunus. i mean i'd rather date
1: uh Hadi, okay I mean, better looking <laughs> okay. girl but fighter like personality wise like fighter wise rose namayunas I, I, I she's one of my favorite So
0: Alright, well I I think uh, Joanna Calderwood is probably jealous right now. But anyway. She's um,
1: <laughs> oh yeah, she's
0: acting well, I um fighting. I know, I know. I'm I'm joking. I am gonna go the other right. way. I'm gonna take Michelle Watterson over Rosnami Yunus. Um, she really has had an evolution. She's really starting to put together striking, grappling, a little bit of you know, slick wrestling, good good takedowns. When I say that, I mean more like clinch takedowns, um, and Rose has kind of gone the other way. Coming off the show, she was really, really hot. Um, she was cooled off a little bit by Carlos Barza, but then um, I, I did not like the way that she looked against Carolina Kovalkiewicz. I mean, she had some opportunities in that fight, and she couldn't get there and get what she wanted. And and then she was outstruck pretty soundly on the feet, and I believe that Rose Namajunas can, excuse me, uh, Michelle Waterson can do those same things. So I'll go against you on that one, and I'll take Michelle Waterson over Rose. Uh, Carolina's
1: so good, though. I mean,
0: well, you know, I I want to see it.
1: Against, Carolina had her moments against Joanna, so I mean, her loss against true. Carolina, I don't, true, I don't but know. but we, we have
0: to. You know, is she able to get done the things that she wants to do? And from what I saw, she could not get those things done when she wanted to against Carolina. So why would I think she's going to get them done? So it depends. Can she get them done against Waterson? You know, I mean, Watterson, no. they're going to game plan very hard for her uh, over at Jackson's, and I just feel if I had to... You know, it would be not. Nice. I mean, it'd be, if, it, if there's a scramble on the floor... I mean, Rose can Rose can win that. If there is any kind of sure. scrambling going on,
1: yeah. that
0: Rose mm-hmm. is going to win that battle. But the problem is that she has to get it there. So, so I'll go again. We'll see what happens, okay?
1: We'll see what happens. Okay. I don't think Michelle Watson is like Carolina. That's all I'm going to say. No, 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 she's not.
0: But she has a very diverse striking game. She can give her some of the problems that Carolina gave her in the stand-up. Now, Again, if, you know, Michelle. I mean, she can get a clinch. She can get some takedowns. But boy, you got to have heavy hips, and you have to go for it. Because if you get in an exchange with her on the floor, you're right. I mean, it could end, but it's possible. So we'll see. I'll, I'll take Waterson. You'll take Rose, and I'll talk to you on Sunday. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. This one pretty easy to call. I, I. Th- here is an example of more UFC matchmaking that I don't like. Robert well- Whitaker. Robert Whittaker, a young star on the come up, a guy that I think should be fighting someone like a Derek Brunson again, you know, or someone like, you know, in that middleweight range, but not somebody up on the level of Ronaldo Souza. And I would not want Ronaldo Souza is maybe your next champion, but four years from now, he's probably gone out of the sport. And I wouldn't and Robert Whittaker can then, you know, be ready to take the mantle from somebody like that. But I would not have matched up uh, Robert Whittaker with a Jacare. I think Jacare is a little bit too much. And unless he gets caught, and he can get caught, because if he engages in this, you know, you don't know what these guys are going to do in terms of if they're going to come out and follow the smartest game plan. if he and, and he likes his stand-up. I mean, he trains at X-Gym. He trains with Anderson Silva. trains with Alan Nugetch and those guys. If he wants to come out and try stand-up, he can get caught. He can get caught with a left hook and he can get put to sleep the way that Brunson did. So that could happen. But I would have to favor Jacare Souza. Yeah, obviously, Jacare is
1: super than that. Play, but, man, I mean, I don't... Who else would you put up against? Who else would Zachary fight if it wasn't wasn't Richard? I mean, everyone else is tied up. Like, Romero's buying. I mean, you want another rematch with Romero? Maybe Romero wants to tie up by Disney. I mean, Rockhold's kind of just doing his own thing. You know, he's holding out on, well, whatever. Like, you know, they didn't get, like, contract dispute or whatever. So, I mean, he's doing his own thing. So, I mean, who else is there? I mean, Rodman just fought uh, Well, uh, I mean... Yeah. If he wants to fight again, he doesn't want to wait for the title shot that might come, might not come. So I think just being active, he's like, hey, give me a fight. Or they're like, hey, we have this fight for you. you want to sit out for who knows how long and maybe get a title shot or fight again? The
0: the rematch between he and Luke Rockhold is appropriate. It is. I feel like Rockhold is...
1: I don't think he was fighting for any, any fights. I mean, he's, he's just kind of doing his own thing. Like, he's going, nope, nope, nope. Never. So, I, I think he was kind of off the table, to be honest. I mean, I
0: like Whitaker much more against Musashi. Yeah, um, I do too. Than I, you know.
1: Yeah, but those guys, I mean, Musashi just fought. So, I mean, there's no yeah. one else. It's all the same. So, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, there. I guess I. I guess I see what you mean. I yeah. just, you know.
1: You already hear you beat Dry Hall, so Dry Hall's up. Will, I mean, who else is there? 185. No, uh, you're. You're
0: right. You're right. Yeah. That's. You're, you're right. That yeah. seems Fair like long. it's an appropriate thing. That it doesn't look good. I mean, you look at look the bottom of now. the division: Uriah Hall, Sam Alvey, Tim Boach. And Dan yeah. Kelly, and Dan Kelly's probably the only one that anybody's yeah. interested in. That Christoph yeah. Jatko was nice. Um,
1: which guy was that?
0: Was that's that the guy, guy. He's 19 and one. Um, he's another Polish dude. He was nice. Okay. I'm trying to remember who he fought recently that I saw that was really cool. yeah, he um, familiar, right? yeah let me see who he fought um but yeah he's he's one that's nice and then there's that one dude that's like from switzerland who fought um who works with henry hoofd and man i really liked his striking he's got a fight coming up and i don't know that i can pronounce his name so yeah so there's no you're right i think you're right i guess it's appropriate from this standpoint because of the mess that they're creating with Bisping versus GSP. Yes, so
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, that just holds up the whole division.
0: Just
1: whatever GSP wants to come back. And they're like, oh no, GSP, come back. You wanna fight for the hundred eighty five pound title? Which is you even fought for ever in your life? Sure.
0: Yeah, this is like an example of the UFC, like if, if you had a grand if you had like a, a watch And it had all these little gears in it. It was a wind up watch, and they just poured super glue in the gears, in some of these gears, and you just slow it down to a halt. That's the equivalent of what they've done relative to middleweight, lightweight, um, uh, welterweight, and now, you know, even, you know, to some degree, even, uh, featherweight is now just going to get cleared up now that when you're going to have Jose Aldo against, uh, um, Max um, which call it? Max uh, Holloway yeah they're both yeah. carrying a belt which is kind of ridiculous I don't know how Holloway can have a belt but whatever we'll see we'll let that sort itself out in a month or so so um, all right so we're gonna wrap it up that's about all the UFC I can stand for tonight with crazy <laughs> matchmaking and who the hell's fighting who but it does definitely feel to me like a much different world than it was under the Fertitas a year ago to where we are now today with W E W M E I M G and uh, Ari Emanuel and Patrick Whitesell at the helm. I'm not sure what they're doing and what the what their vision is and got you know, now you have free agencies and Gegard Musasi, what if he were to left Jacare Souza I mean, God forbid those guys leave and we just go with Q ratings. I mean, these divisions are in trouble. So, I don't know. I mean, you're seeing
1: the trend right now. I mean, he's Lorenz Larkin. Well, he's a great welterweight. And he's like for now. And a couple other guys. I mean, Rory, Rory McDonald. Gone. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, Rory, you know, we don't know if he was ever going to be the same after what that's happened true. to him when he got undressed by Wonderboy. But, no, I, I get what you're saying. And Lorenz Larkin to me is – Just a brilliant, brilliant fighter. Just, you know, I mean, all the rage in the UFC right now is Jorge Masvidal. And guess what? Uh, He fought him to a standstill. A lot of people uh, think, I think he won that fight, actually. Lorenz did. So, he did did win that fight. So, I mean, that tells you all you want to know. And everybody's very excited about uh Jorge Masvidal, and with good reason he's a great fighter. We'll see if a great if his um defensive wrestling can hold out and if it can't yeah. he's gonna be a victim. So Yeah, I'll okay, be good. Point. Yeah. So all right. Um folks, thank you very much for listening. More more upcoming I have been speaking online a little bit with Nick the Tooth Gulo. Those of you who remember him for Dana White's looking for a fight. You know him from the um Mendez Brothers Academy um Art of Jiu Jitsu AOJ in uh Costa Mesa. Um, he's gonna be coming up. Uh we didn't have much luck with our life episode that we wanted to do with uh Jessica Evans and the uh the uh, uh life coach or uh counselor, I guess you could say Carissa Rossi. We will still try to effort that down the road, but uh, we are gonna have Professor Brent. We are gonna have Javier Vasquez, owner of uh Gracie Baja, uh, Gracie uh, Cucamonga, Rancho oh, Cucamonga, up there, I yeah. Know, uh,
1: one of his black belts trained right
0: here and there. Freaking beast. Ah, I I love yeah. Javier Vasquez and his his breakdown of MMA. I, mean, I want to get him on because his analysis is so good, and you know he's one of those guys. We are going to have we've got commitments from uh, Tristan Critchfield, the uh, editor uh, in chief over at Sherdog.com. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, we're gonna have Tristan. We've had him on several times in the past, and he'll want to talk some NBA. So we need to get him on pretty soon. That we're at the playoffs. Um, we'll talk a little Lavar Ball with him also.
1: That's um, some nice guests going on.
0: Yeah, so we've got some we've got some good guys lined up, um, and uh, I also want to say thank you to uh, my friend Nick Cazono. Um, the uh, bass player for the approach and the execution. You can catch those guys Thursday nights at the Whiskey, oh, the famed this, Whiskey. This
1: Thursday. <laughs> oh,
0: this Thursday. Thir- this Thursday at yeah. the Whiskey in Los Angeles on the Sunset Strip. But you've played there before, right, Nick? i
1: played there before, but we're hoping for a bigger band. That's
0: yeah, that's up. still amazing. It's the Whiskey. Yeah. I mean, I've been dreaming yeah. about this place for years. Jeez. Um, Frank, man, Jimmy, I think Led Zeppelin he even played there. For God's sure he sake,s did, yeah. unbelievable. So uh, yeah, I think uh, really quick story. I think Jimmy Page saw a magazine with a girl, a modeling, a girl modeling who was something around sixteen years older, seventeen years old, and he called the modeling agency when he was coming to L.A. and they were going to be at the West Union, and he said, "I want to see this girl at the club," and guess what? She was there. Uh, so, good for him that's why he's 69 years old now and he's uh, I think married to somebody who's like uh, in her 20s, late 20s or early 30s lovely lovely girl uh, Persian, British girl, something like that so anyway Jimmy Page, God bless you my friend it's good to be a guitar hero uh, Nick, thank you very much um, it was great having you on and thank uh, we will do this again. Thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate it. All right.
1: Thanks for having me. It's fun. All right.
0: All right, man. We will talk to you shortly. We'll talk to you. See what see whose predictions were right after the weekend. Okay, my friend? All right. Sounds good, brother. All right, cheers.
1: All right, later.
0: That was Nick Kazono, my friend. Um, the the uh bass player for the approach and the execution. He is a uh, purple belt under uh Gracie Jiu Jitsu and uh Brea Jiu Jitsu, Dan out there and uh, I can't remember his last name he's uh, uh, somebody who is quite revered but is very injured professor of jiu-jitsu well-respected Academy out there and Nick is just in love with MMA loves it every bit as much as he loves music so uh, I appreciate you guys once again it's MMA underscore BJJ underscore and life on Twitter DJ San Marco if you wanna catch me on Facebook And uh, if you have any thoughts about the show, let me know and and we'll work on it. So um, that's it for now. We're going to wrap it up. And um, as I always say, I'll see you down the road. And I'm always wondering what's up around the bend.
1: Thank mm-hmm. you.